0: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Katrina Castula about holding successful team meetings to tap into the genius of your team. Katrina Castula, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations podcast.
1: It's my pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm super excited to have this conversation with you today. Uh, in preparation for this episode, you know, I was reviewing some of the materials in your book, uh, which we'll talk about a little bit later. And you have a lot of expertise in the area of uh, successful meetings and. Team management. So, pulling those two pieces together, we're going to be talking about how to hold successful meetings in a way that we can tap into the collective genius of our team uh, to get the most out of each other. So, we can support and help each other and uh, ultimately innovate and create, develop a competitive advantage of, that will allow us to add value to the marketplace. So, I'm excited to have this conversation with you today. As we get started, I wanted to share Katrina's. Uh, bio with everybody. Katrina Castula is an executive coach and founder of the Leader Path, a leadership coaching company. She has worked as a global business leader at Google. She was also a five-star rated internal coach. She has coached leaders and teams from Google, Amazon, uh, Vodafone, Workable, as well as a number of startups. She's a member of the Forbes Coaches Council and coaches for Inseed and Holt. Uh, Ashridge Business School. Her work has been featured in Forbes, Fast Company, and Thrive Global. Her book "Hold Successful Meetings" will be published by Penguin on 15th of April, 2021. So that's just around the corner, in less than a month. And she holds an MBA and Executive Coaching uh, Masters from Holt Ashridge Business School and Inseed. Uh, great to have you with me. Thank you so much for joining us. And anything else you would like to share by way of background, personal context, as relates to the conversation today, or just to to let the listeners know a little bit more about you?
1: Yes. I think regarding to our conversation, you said my expertise lies in successful meetings and leading teams. And I have to say it all started by me hating meetings when I was an employee. I I raised raised
0: my hand to that. that. That's me as well.
1: Yes. So I think the backstory to to developing this expertise, I I actually left my corporate life behind thinking I'm free of meetings. That's it. And up to this day, I have to say, I like the meetings to be few. (laughs) I have two meeting free days. But then as I was starting coaching teams, I loved team coaching. And it was only after a while that I realized I love team coaching, it's such a fulfilling experience like getting a team together, having the difficult conversations, just developing a sense of belonging. And then it dawned to me, but team coaching sessions are meetings too. Why do we hate the one and we love the other? And I think that's where the curiosity came into, let me explore this. Can we get what I learned in team coaching? Can we put it in meetings and vice versa? <laughs>
0: Yeah. Well, I love that. And a lot of what you just said resonates with me. Now, obviously, there's so many things that we do that we can label as meetings, right? I think when, when we often think about those really just boring, almost seemingly useless, pointless meetings where you're just banging your head against the wall and you're like, why in the world are we doing this? This could have been an email you know, or whatever the case may be. Those are almost never the types of working meetings that you were just describing. Uh, you know, as you're doing coaching sessions, or you're trying to help teams work through uh, team dynamics or understanding how to work better together. um, There's elements of those types of meetings that make them meaningful, impactful. And that's why we don't mind those meetings. Uh, But we hate the meetings that just seem aimless. And we don't really know why we're even there. And it just seems like a complete waste of time. And I think pretty much universally, everyone hates those kinds of meetings. So perhaps step number one is for us to just decide, why are we having this meeting? What's the point of this meeting? And if you can't answer that with a compelling answer, then you probably should cancel the meeting.
1: (laughs) I love that. And it's true that what you just said is backed by research, Doodle did like, studied at thousands of meetings. And they said the number one thing is having a clear uh, outcome or purpose. And the meetings we hate are usually update meetings. They don't even use the brain power of the people in the room. They could have been an email. And in terms of the why we have the meeting, I try to simplify this because I realized it's not easy. Like you, you, you there are books out, out there that they will say 16 different uh, types of meetings or 16 different reasons. I, I thought this is too complicated. I, my my motto is actually saying, we should only have meetings for four reasons. And I'm happy to, to share with you, uh, them with you if, if you're interested. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think let's talk about that in just a moment. Um, so for, for compelling reason, reasons to hold meetings, absolutely. Let's explore that. Um, before we go there, I thought perhaps we can talk a little bit about the lonely genius myth. Can you tell us a little bit, describe that a little bit for listeners? What is that? Why is it important? Why are we spending some time talking about it?
1: Yes, so this is a lot of my clients. I realized, and, and myself, I, when I left Google to build my own company, I really wanted to be a solopreneur. And I and even when I s- started outsourcing, I still hold held all the idea generation, all the decision making in my business. And I th- and I really that was my vision. I really wanted to simplify my life. And, but even leaders of big companies that I was coaching. They were still acting a little bit like solopreneurs and they would come to me and say oh the, the weight of the world is in my shoulders I don't know why this team is not innovative is not bringing ideas I think I need to drive this ship so I realized this is a common misconception that we put a lot of the weight of the idea generation and the decision making in ourselves as, as leaders and it only hit me when I saw the data <laughs> So there's been some research around uh, more than 19 million scientific papers for 50 years, like three professors from North One University. They, they saw every scientific paper ever right, for 50 years and 2 million patents. And they realized the ones that were submitted by a team were cited more than twice as often as that of individuals. And when I read that, I was like, wow, that, that's undeniable, but it's an undeniable fact that leveraging the, the power of the team will help you have the results you want, you ha- will help you have the impact you want. So, so for me, that's when the shift in my business and in my mindset came. The Lonely Genius is a myth. Actually, as much as you're competent and smart and you're good at what you do, you need other people's ideas, you need diversity. And you, you will see a lot of the creative creative partnerships like the, the Wright brothers, when they developed the airplane, you need people to challenge your thinking. Um, so that's why the Lonely Genius is a myth.
0: Yeah, it, it really, it can be hard because a lot of times when you think about the emotional intelligence side of the equation, when you're working collaboratively with other people, some of the most intelligent and we could say even genius individuals, don't always work the best with other people, right? Um, and so it, it requires a level of kind of intellectual humility to recognize that, yes, I'm capable, I'm smart, I have expertise, but if I join forces with other people, that it will actually improve what I could produce all on my own. Uh, and it sometimes it takes more time. Um, you know I, I work on a lot of solo projects, but I also work on a lot of collaborative projects, and usually the collaborative projects take me longer. I can. I'm kind of a pretty darn productive person when I'm working individually, but the after um, results are usually better <laughs> when I'm working collaboratively right to your point. So if, if I'm doing academic research. Um, when I'm, I'm working on co-authored research where I'm really working collaboratively with others, that research is usually uh, better, uh, more well-received, has more impact than when I'm working individually. And if I'm working, you know, same thing, if I'm working on consulting projects or, or facilitating projects you know, at the university with my students in a class where they're doing team projects, whatever the case may be, it just tends to be better when we work collaboratively and collectively uh, to, as you said, challenge each other's thinking. And uh, it, it, it tends to create just better creative, innovative outcomes uh, that are often, you know, through that synergy of collaboration that is just beyond what even one individual genius will often produce. So I love your focus on that. And I think it taps really into this, this uh, the rest of our discussion today about effective teams, uh, and how you can facilitate effective teams through effective meetings. Because ultimately, you know, the lone wolf genius um, who can do really great things, that's, that's wonderful. And we can tr- try to support individuals you know, in part of their work and part of their time to do that kind of work. But, but how do we better bring those people together, especially those people that may not be naturally self-inclined towards you know, working collaboratively, look, working with other people? you know, maybe they feel like they're, you know, they're, I I hesitate to say above those around them, but you know, they, sometimes people feel like they're going to be dragged down a little bit by working collaboratively with people who aren't, you know, quite at quote unquote their level. Um, So that's something to set aside for a moment. And I think we'll, we'll be able to connect that back into our conversation as we go a little bit further. Um, Okay. So let's, let's now move into teams. And you mentioned, the four main reasons why you should hold a team. Uh, what are those reasons? As you've seen through your own experience and through research, and then we can go from there.
1: Sure. Although I, I feel the, this desire to comment on, on what you just oh, said. Oh, sure, sure, Is sure, absolutely, that okay? yep. Um, so I love what you said, and it reminded me of the African proverb of if you wanna go fast, go alone. If you wanna go far, go together. It's exactly what you shared as your experience. But I think what you said was Right, first you need a team of A players, right, for collaboration to work. You need to to hiring, recruiting, choosing who to partner with. But then the problem I've seen is that a lot of, if you have this, if you lack this intellectual humility, you intimidate the people around you. And if you intimidate them, they will not bring good ideas, which will reaffirm your, your perception that you're the only one breaking the ideas. So even if you have competent people, if they don't feel safe enough, To bring ideas and use as you'll just into this vicious circle that you have all the weight of the world in your shoulders
0: yeah that's right And i'm thinking as you said that i'm thinking of one particular individual that i've worked closely with in the past (laughs) who just really popped to the forefront and this person is so intelligent so capable so competent and but they just don't play well in the sandbox with people. And they just always think they're the smartest person in the room and they kind of talk down to people. And it it does become a self-fulfilling prophecy because nobody wants to say anything when they're in a meeting with this person. Uh, Because, and not because they don't have ideas, not because they didn't come prepared, uh, but because this person tends to be condescending and tends to uh, even at times be bullying and nobody wants to work with them. Right. And so yes. to, to your point, safety is vital. And there are ways we can do that and build in that safety as a leader, facilitating effective meetings to make sure, or at least reduce the risk or, or the, the likelihood that those types of unhealthy dynamics will perpetuate themselves uh, within our Absolutely. team. Absolutely. Absolutely. organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life.
1: Are you ready for the four D's?
0: We're ready. We're ready.
1: Okay. So Four outcomes, at least one of four, to pursuing your meeting. They all conveniently start with a D. First, define a problem or a goal. Second, develop ideas. Third, decide or do. How do those sound? Like I, I can go in and, and explain those, but
0: this yeah, center. let's. Those are great. Let's briefly just go into each of them, and then I think yeah. we can tie that back into um, teams within those meetings
1: sure so define a problem or a goal is to align everyone where we are where do we want to go what's the problem we need to solve to to get there and so many times because i've observed tons of team meetings we we don't even we're not solving the right problem and that's why we were going in circles and we're wasting time or we're not aligned on what success looks like so that's something i think it's important it can be easier done in a meeting because everyone shares their perception what success is what the real problem is You can go deeper. Uh, After you've defined the problem, as you can see, these are four outcomes, but they're also steps in a process. So actually, you can have more effective meetings if you follow the steps and rather than chaos, because a lot of the chaos is happening because one is defining the problem and the other is on the solutions, right? Right. That's what the chaos comes from. The second is develop ideas. And what we're doing, the mistake we make here is we use the traditional brainstorming which doesn't work there's a lot of research that it doesn't work you actually need to let people ideate individually first for tons of reasons for social anxiety they may have or production blocking like if you're listening to other people's ideas you're not producing like the simple tip i would have here for our listeners is have them ideate first like i did a meeting with my team it was mostly silent on friday i was saying okay this is the this problem write ideas individually first let then let's type them all in a Doc, and then let's inspire, get inspired by other people's ideas, and add pe- things in the doc. It was a 45-minute ideation, silent, and it was clear the outcome was a list of ideas. The third type of meeting or, or stage is decide, and you need to separate those. Right when you're ideating, you don't you don't want to judge the ideas for obvious reasons. The, the, it will dampen creativity. And you can decide, again, be clear on who decides here. Is it like a consensus? Is it the majority rule? Are we going to vote? Or is there a clear decision owner? I think being clear with your group will help manage the expectations. It's OK either way. Like All of them has pros and cons. And their indecision have productive conflict, what we said before. I encourage people to disagree so you can make a good decision. And the last one is do, which is either you do something in the meeting, which can be a working session, it can be an inspire action meeting. Like when you're given a sales meeting is a due meeting because your, your outcome should be an action in the end. Um, inspire action or a plan action planning. Like when I meet with my assistant every week, it's a due meeting because we're going through what are we gonna do? So it's, you can plan for action, but the outcome is someone needs to do th- something and that's why we're having this meeting.
0: Yeah, that, that is so great. And something that comes to mind as you're describing each of those, is it, it does depend on that purpose of the meeting that you set out at the very beginning as you're defining um, and, and identifying really what the gap is, the question that needs to be answered, whatever. And the, the these could be four different types of meetings or they could be stages within a single meeting. Exactly. <clears throat> but ultimately, it it, i'm thinking i i can think of meetings where we've done all four of those stages uh, within a single meeting and i can think of some that went well and i can think of some that didn't go well the ones that went well they very clearly the person facilitating um, made sure that there was clear demarcation between the different steps and stages right whereas the ones that didn't go so well uh, it was kind of all blurred together and so you end up with people kind of we're not all on the same page. We all—some people are have kind of moved on, other people are still stuck at the last stage. And so sometimes, if it's say a four-hour strategic session, you know, you're, you're spending half a day, that can be facilitated simply by like how you time your breaks, so people can step away, and then you can come back and you can reorient, reorient people and help them understand. Okay, this is what we just did. This is we finished that stage. Now we're moving on to this stage, and and then you can make sure it's very clear and the expectations are set. Uh, what Any other thoughts or tips that you would have if you're trying to do multiple elements of that in a single meeting?
1: I think that that's the most clear, like being clear and having in clearly defined stages. I think it's absolutely spot on because some of the participants will have a need for closure. So they won't feel comfortable in the brainstorming session. They will want to go to the do stage immediately. Let's implement this but other participants who really keep producing ideas while you're working on implementing the one idea because you really need to to close it. So as a facilitator, you need to be really clear of, uh, and I like actually separating the meetings. Like on Friday that we were talking about launching the book and ideas for the book, the the meeting I said that was a silent 45 meeting with my team. Um, I liked, I told them the outcome is a list of ideas. We're not not gonna make any decision. And that helped, there was no judgment. It was just a creative, um, ideation. Now in the remote world, you don't have to do it in a four-hour
0: you know, and please don't, in- right? Exactly. Yeah, Exactly. I, I don't know about you, but I have been, I mean, all of us have been on countless Zoom and Teams and Google yeah. Meetings, you know, whatever the platform. We've been on so many, and it seems like, at least in my world, the proliferation of meetings has been obnoxious. So people are now, because Everyone's used to using these virtual meetings that people schedule meetings for everything. So I'm, I'm in way more meetings now than I ever was before when everything was in person because people just schedule stuff like they don't even give it a second thought and then they schedule a meeting. And usually there's no clear agenda. There's no clear purpose. Sometimes they don't even really state what the meeting is about. They just send out a meeting invite saying, you know, mandatory come at this time. Um, And, you know, I beat my head against the wall for that kind of stuff. And I end up finding myself in countless meetings that don't serve a whole lot of meaningful purpose. They waste a lot of time. Um, They're not productive. And and it's just it's so, so, so frustrating. And there's only like Zoom fatigue is a real thing. And there's only so much time you can spend in a day in these endless meetings. So really like asking yourself you know, your, your four, uh, are great. You know, ask yourself, do, do, do we, are are we accomplishing one of these four things through holding this meeting? If not, can I pre-record a video to send out to my team with instructions? Or can I send an email? Um, or is there some other way to convey information that will be beneficial, uh, and not hold a meeting, not waste everyone's time. Uh, I, in, in virtual meetings, oh my gosh, I've been in some literally, like an 8-hour Zoom meeting. All day. And like in what world does that make any sense? It doesn't. And so to your point, we it is absolutely okay, probably often preferable to break up these big block meetings into smaller chunks where we can just tackle one thing at a time and then people yeah. can come completely fresh the next time to the next stage, to the next component. Yes. Um that's certainly my preference. Um, so anyways, so let's, let's, uh, transition now in the last uh, little bit of time we have together today, uh, some of your thoughts around how we can leverage these meetings now to really get the most out of our people to tap in their collect, tap into that collective genius, to make sure that every, you know, we've already talked about creating a safe environment where everyone feels like they can contribute. Um, but how do we leverage meetings in a productive way to help our people maximize their potential?
1: Sure. I think safety, it is the number one. And and I learned that when I was at Google, they did some research what separated successful teams and unsuccessful. They couldn't crack the code. They looked at everything, like how they made decisions, whether they were, whether they were located in the same office, individual performance. Nothing made a difference, only when they discovered psychological safety. So I want to reinforce this, because that's where I start when I work with a team. It is the the one thing that will make the hugest difference, how safe people are, to bring dissenting views. And then of course it's inclusion. Safety is do I bring the difficult stuff, the mistakes, the ideas? Inclusion is do I have an opportunity to speak in the first place and be listened to and be respected and have an equal opportunity in the meeting to contribute? Um, But then I would say we need to connect how how do you foster this? I would say how you begin the meeting, how you connect in the beginning of the meeting. And I know we're like in this world when we want to get down to business, but research says even five minutes of personal connection will make tons of difference because we're humans, right? So you need to spend some time in the beginning for personal connection, spend some time to show because people in their in their minds, when they're joining the meeting, first, why, why am I here and why should I care? Which we covered in the purpose. And the second question is, do I belong here? And we need to answer that question to, to make sure everyone can contribute in their best ability by showing vulnerability if you're the leader as well, sharing your mistakes, for example. Um, and then showing empathy, acceptance, appreciations, and the reason I, I wrote a book in me, about meetings, even though I used to hate meetings, <laughs> is because it's easier for us leaders. Like it's hard to say, be a great leader all the time, but it's easier to say, you know what, how many hours am I in meetings with my team today? Is it a couple of hours? Can I make those really count? Because it's the first domino that will have an knock-on effect in your business, in your team uh, team's performance. We cannot be the perfect leader eight hours a day. I think it's, but you can do it for two hours a day that you're in a meeting with your team.
0: Yeah, and it sets the tone right yes. for for everything else and for all the other interactions. And so I completely agree. I, I I think that's a really great way to frame it and to approach it. And that human element and the vulnerability is key, especially during times of, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic and there's social unrest and political unrest. I mean there are challenging things that everyone's facing and to just be able to acknowledge that. You don't need to ruminate on it. You don't need to spend tons of time in every meeting. Um, at there, there might be times where you hold a meeting just to have open conversation about, you know, those sorts of things to have, to open up dialogue. Most of the time though, you don't need that, but you do need to hold space for, to recognize that people have complex lives, messy lives, and work is just one piece of it you know, and, and oftentimes we think we're holding this work meeting. Everyone just focus this. This is the the main thing. And don't let all the, that other stuff out there distract you. Well, I mean, that's not a human uh, approach. And ultimately you'll undermine your own effectiveness as a, as a leader. If you never have those opportunities to connect genuinely and authentically with your people and help them to feel safe and heard. And you know, all the things that you just mentioned, well, It has been a real pleasure talking with you. I I recognize we're almost at the end of our time together. I did want to give you a chance before we close to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about um, your upcoming book and your business and anything else you would like to share by way of final comments on the topic for today.
1: Of course. So the book is called Hold Successful Meetings. It is part of the Penguin Business Expert Series and it will be from 15th of April every year where books are sold. Um, you can connect with, you can, I have prepared a lot of bonuses and a quiz to find out how successful are your meetings in www.TheLeaderPath.com slash meetings. TheLeaderPath.com is my company and out of social media, I mostly hang out on LinkedIn. So if you'd like to personally connect with me, I'd love to, to meet you there.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been a fascinating conversation. I mean, we've really only just been. Um, begun we could continue down this path uh, for a long time but i encourage listeners to reach out get connected find out more about what katrina and her uh, company can do for you and uh, check out the book and as always i hope everyone can stay healthy and safe that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day and i hope you all have a great